Well, obviously, being in Washington, D.C., for Hold Their Feet to the Fire, we talk with immigration experts, politicians, and, and the like. And joining us right now is Steve Camarota. He is the Director of Research for the Center for Immigration Studies. Steve, how you doing, man? Great. Good to be with you. Well, it's a pleasure. And I'll tell you what, you know, we've talked, um, yesterday I got into it a little bit, but today we've talked a lot about the human toll. Would you mind if we talk more about the economic toll? Yes, I think that's why. Because I, I think that um, you have some expertise there. It would be nice that people understand that. I, I've talked a little bit about, you know, like 34% of our teenagers are unemployed. They can't find work, even with the higher wages and that sort of thing. Um, I had Guillermo. Uh, Moreno from KXEX on. He's a friend of mine, but he's in Fresno, California. He kind of talked about how we're even getting some of the Mexican immigrants now. They don't want to go work in the farms. It's now you're getting Central American uh, people are doing that. But there is a there's a real labor issue here that is affecting everybody. Uh, but there's still a labor shortage, air quote, labor shortage that is out there. And how does this all kind of fit in with one another? Right. Well, let me start with this, because I do think it's important. If we look at the non-college educated, who still make up about 60% of workers in the United States, a little more than that, they're the, they're the strong majority. If we were to graph men from the 1960s to the present who don't have a college degree, and we looked at their labor force participation, it would look like a ski slope down. That is that the fraction who are in the labor force, which means they're either working or at least looking for work, is dramatically lower. Now, I've looked up the data for Indiana, in case you're wondering. Indiana looks bad, but the nation looks worse. So it used to be the case that like 96%, if you went back to 1979, say not even all the way back to the 60s, 1979 in Indiana, it looks like about 96% of men without a college degree who are prime age, 25 to 54, were in the labor force. That is, they worked or looked for a job. Most of them just worked. Um, today in Indiana, it's about 87%. So it's a big decline. Nationally, it's, it's more like in the lower 80s. Uh, so Indiana's a little better, but the bottom line is it's still pretty bad in Indiana. Um, this massive exit from the workforce is not showing up in unemployment because to be unemployed officially, it's not whether you're on unemployment benefits. The unemployment rate reflects only people who say they've looked for a job in the last four right. weeks. These people drop out of the numerator and denominator for that calculation. And what makes this so bad of all these less educated people, particularly men not working, is it's linked to a host of social problems. When we look at obesity crisis, when we look at the opioid crisis, when we look at the crisis of um, depression and suicide or just you know family breakup, it is definitely linked to non-work. Idle men is uh, is a recipe for social disaster. Um, I think most conservatives sense it. Liberals will agree, but you know they don't really want to talk about it so much. By the way, since 2000, the labor force participation of women who, without a college degree, who are of prime age, has declined. If we look at teenagers, we see a decline. If we just looked at people in their 20s, we'd see a decline. Um, but I did the prime age because these are not individuals in college, and these are individuals who are not uh, people without a college degree don't retire early generally. So we're talking about 25 to 54. We're talking about really, there's really no reason. And yet the fraction in the labor force has, the bottom's fallen out. We could talk about why, but no one doubts that this decline in work is really bad for society. It, it's linked to all these other problems. I'll just give you one, you know, this we don't have any workers argument. If we had the same labor force participation in 
uh, today as we had in 2000, we'd have 7 million more workers in the United States. And that's just since 2000. If we had a labor force participation of decades past, well, we could have 10, 12 million more people in the labor force. That may be unrealistic, but 2000 isn't that long ago. No, and even if you go back to pre-COVID, we still haven't gotten back to the full-time workforce that we had pre-COVID. Right, we're somewhat below that. But remember, the figures pre-COVID were really, really bad in terms of labor force participation. They, They look terrible since the Great Recession. But before the Great Recession in 2007, they looked really, really bad. In other words, it's a long-term decline. It's, it's, it does coincide, interestingly enough, with the restart of mass immigration. As your listeners may know, the United States experienced a massive immigration in the late 1800s and early 1900s. World War One and then restrictive legislation in the 20s caused the foreign-born population to decline dramatically in the United States, so that by 1970 there were less than 10 million immigrants, legal and illegal, in the United States. The most recent data shows it's now 47 million. So that fundamental change does coincide with the decline in work among the native-born. Immigration probably did crowd some folks out. It probably did reduce wages, keep them out, keep wages down and undermine work. But the other thing it did, the other really important thing immigration does is let us ignore this problem. Because we don't need those 7 million workers I just mentioned. We'll just hire the immigrants. Right. If, if employers had to recruit from within the United States, if we, they had to think and, and our elites had to think about how to get these guys back into the labor force, it, we probably would do a much better job. Would we get back to what it was in 1965? Probably not. Is the opioid epidemic and the obesity epidemic and these other social problems going to go away? No. But we could do a whole lot better than we're doing. And But we don't, because we don't need to. We'll just hire the foreign workers. Well, and this has always been kind of the argument anyway. Well, we need them to come in. John McCain you know, famously said, you're not going to go out there and, and pick lettuce in the heat and that sort of thing. And then you started seeing, oh, these are actually good-paying jobs, meatpacking plants for $20 an hour, and, and Americans want those jobs. And so when there would be an immigration raid or something like that, and they would take away the illegal immigrant workforce there, people in the town who are American citizens were lining up for those jobs. There was one point in time, I think it was under the Obama administration, but don't like, don't hold me to that, where the number of estimated illegal immigrants in the United States was the exact same number as those who were unemployed but wanted a job. Uh, there certainly has been that, that kind of situation. But, but remember, unemployed only gets at this small part of what's happening in the U.S. labor market. Right. It's all these people who are not looking. And you have to be, to be unemployed officially, you have to be looking. And look, it's, uh, by the way, let's just talk very briefly about agriculture. When you think about illegal immigration and the issue of agriculture, the one group of workers you should never think about is agriculture. Because everybody, all the research, including by Pew and the Center for Migration Studies, myself, all shows the same thing. The sh- there's maybe seven, eight million illegal immigrants working in the United States. Maybe 500,000 of them are in agriculture. The vast majority of illegal immigrants, maybe one sixteenth, one eighteenth, are in. Remember, agriculture is a tiny sector now. Very small. Yeah, it's only at the height of the growing season, maybe 1.5 million in a workforce of 162 million. Okay, so or 167 million, I think, is the most recent number. So the point is, agriculture is almost irrelevant. The vast majority of workers are not there, and only a small fraction of illegals are there. They're mostly in service jobs. Some, lots in construction, but mostly things like building, cleaning, and maintenance, and retail, and some light manufacturing. They're not in agriculture. Agriculture, 
40 years ago or 30 sure. years ago, that was true. They Illegals were heavily concentrated. And they do make up a large share of the people who pick fruits and vegetables. Don't get me wrong. But it's just such a tiny part of the economy. We already have a guest worker program for that. It's not really worth talking about. It's, it's certainly not in Indiana. It's not a big deal. Well, and that becomes a, you know another question of, you know, do we have some kind of a temporary visa situation where they can come in seasonally and then they can go ahead and, and work and then go home? <laughs> And that would allow them to not be apprehended at the border or anything like that. Would that actually help if we're talking, you know, ag or because they're mostly in these service industry jobs, these are year round jobs. Is it really going to help if you do a seasonal sort of a thing in most markets? Some markets are seasonal in the winter or seasonal in the summer, but most are just kind of standard markets 365 days out of the year. So would something like that actually help or no? Well, it might help the immigrants and employers might like it a lot, but it would allow us again to ignore this massive decline in work among U.S. born and less educated. And remember, as I said before, those people who are not working, uh, there are a cascading series of social consequences. When we look at an issue like crime, who makes up a large share of people who commit crime? Certainly petty crime and sometimes serious crime are there people who are out of the labor force. Yeah. It's not a one-to-one thing, but when you have idle men, you have a social disaster. Again, whether it's drug and alcohol abuse, whether it's crime, whether it's obesity, whether it's depression and suicide. Remember, all of these phenomena that have gotten worse is heavily concentrated in who? Well, prime age men who are um, who don't have a college degree. It's not exclusively them, but that's where the biggest social problems exist, is the non-college population. When you talk about suicide or, or opioid addiction. And so... If we allowed in those immigrant guest workers, the employers would be happy. Um, the problem with guest worker programs is that it always results in permanent settlement. People eventually typically overstay. Not right. always, not everyone, but over time, every place that's ever tried it, in Europe or anywhere else, it always or here, it always results in permanent settlement. But the larger problem is, as a society, we need to think about how we're going to get more people back into jobs who are on the sidelines. And if we use guest worker programs, we're certainly never going to do that. And that's my main concern. Also, they help keep wages down. They help crowd the... There are all kinds of provisions that get written into guest worker programs. Right. Like, well, you don't have to necessarily pay the Social Security tax. Or the guest worker is tied to the employer in some way. And as a consequence, employers love stuff like that. Um, you know, and the if, the if the immigrant wants to leave the job, it gets hard. So uh, guest worker programs typically are what employers want because they tend to really help them sweat labor. But here's something else to consider. Not only have this decline in work, but one of the things related to that is a decline in wages. Real wages for people without a college degree have either declined relative to inflation in the last 40 years or stagnated. That's not true for college graduates, but for everybody else, it is true. So if we want people, working class people, to do better to try to address some of these social problems, we're going to have to let wages rise in those sectors. Um, but we have it. Uh, you know, you mentioned meat and poultry processing. The general research on that shows that those jobs pay about 45% less in inflation-adjusted terms than they did in, like, 1979. So we have... So, yeah, it is hard to get native-born people sometimes to do that job, but that's because they, they the jobs don't pay like they used to. Mm -hmm. um, and like agriculture... Uh, just uh, I, I could explain, but 
what low wage workers make is not a contributing factor to inflation because they account for such a small fraction of the total economy. All if you take the whole GDP, you can do these kinds of calculations. I have a paper on my website. If you take the sixty percent of workers who don't have a college degree, they account for twenty five percent of gross domestic product because they just don't make that much. Capital and more skilled workers are account for the for seventy five percent of the economy. So if we let wages rise for the working class, it isn't going to spike inflation very much, and it would be good, and it would help address this massive social problem we have for the non-college. So when you're dealing with the immigration issue with all of that, because there's some additional societal things, you know, you got 45 percent of of Gen Z they want to be influencers. That's their so-called career path. You got the gig economy, and I know that Biden's trying to capture some of the tax revenue on that with Venmo taxes and things of that nature. But if we resolve the illegal immigration problem, or at least improve upon it greatly. Is that enough to start getting those prime-aged men to kind of come back in there? Or is there a, a just a larger societal thing that won't really allow that until we address that culturally? You know, I mean, it's a great question. I'm not sure I have the complete answer. I'll say this. If we don't reduce legal immigration and um, control illegal immigration, we're certainly not going to address it. If we did those things, it would certainly help. It would certainly cause more men to be back in the labor force. How much? Remember, we still have a very misguided welfare and disability system. The explosion of disability benefits in the United States is one of the primary causes or is very much related, even among young people. It's very hard to explain yeah. how we have five times as many disabled 25-year-olds than we used to have or 35-year-olds. Well, because they all have a condition now. They do. And, and, and but, but that could change. We can change that, especially moving forward. It's hard to get people off these programs, but it's much easier to stop the next wave from getting on them. And so that's part of it. Higher wages, better benefits uh, would would be part of it. Um, So there's a lot of things. And quite frankly, there is a... um, The value of work is just gone. And and I said to somebody else, and when you look at the statistics, it's gone, or it's it's not what it used to be among men, whether you look at the Rio Grande Valley, West Virginia, or New York City. Men in all of those places have suffered a significant, and it's true in Indiana too, uh, suffered a significant decline in work, and it's partly just a cultural phenomenon. So we'd have to address that too. Not easy, but if we don't, you know, we have 100,000 opioid deaths a year in America. It's very doubtful we're going to get those numbers way down to where they need to be, or at least something that's only horrible instead of this catastrophe that we have now, um, if, we, if we have all these guys on the sideline idle doing nothing. Steve Camarota from the Center for Immigration Studies, the Director of Research. How can people learn more about you? And some of that information that you're talking about. Yeah, everything that I've talked about and everything is uh, on our website, cis.org. It's free. Just go on and, and click cis.org. Steve Camarota, thank you so much for your time, man. Do appreciate it. All right, we got more coming up from Washington, D.C., News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.